Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your postgame Buckeye talk. Cleveland.com, Doug Lee Murray, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, Ohio State big winners. The Alabama's game is still on as we're recording this. So had we been recording three minutes ago, you would have heard me yell, balls out, in the middle of the podcast. Yeah. So I apologize. Balls out, Buckeye talk. So I apologize if I accidentally yelled that. My family, if there's a football game anywhere within your line of sight and the ball comes out, we just all yell, balls out, like. There could be like, you could be like walking down the street, like in a, in a park, a bunch of eight-year-olds playing. And if somebody fumbles, I'd yell my, I would expect my daughters to yell balls out. Just got to do it. So this Alabama game is a game against Arkansas, which Nathan is like part of what we're talking about here, because Arkansas is the Michigan state of the SEC and Ohio state blew Michigan state off the field on Saturday. And Bryce Young for Alabama is tossing the ball all over the place. He's already set the single game passing record for Alabama in this game. And it's a one score game with nine minutes left. It helps put Ohio state's performance in context, Nathan, and not just on the offensive side of the ball, the complete team effort we saw from the Buckeyes Saturday. I think that's a a really good and smart comparison. And I know that, there are Ohio state fans out there now saying like, Oh, do people believe in this now? And it's like, well, I mean, frankly, who would Ohio state beaten before today? And this is different. I mean, this today was different today. I thought was an important separator today. I thought was an important box to check for Ohio state because yes, they had crushed some other teams, some bad teams, clearly bad, like literally like really bad teams. Like Indiana was a bad football team that night. They had also beaten somebody like Penn State, who was good, better than their record, maybe a little bit unlucky in a couple of ways. What they hadn't done yet was just throttle a team that was pretty good and show that there really was that separation within even the, the rest of the Big Ten and within the, the, the majority of college football. I thought tonight, demonstra- today, demonstrated that in a different way. And it's going to be interesting if this, even if Alabama ends up winning this game, what that's going to mean in terms of not just doofballs like me in the AP poll, what it could mean for the playoff ranking on Tuesday night. 
So actually, that's an interesting point, Nathan, because I did want to address that off the top because people do care about the playoff rankings and the Oregon game has not yet started. They're playing Utah. Oregon's an underdog to Utah Saturday night. It's over probably, or at least going on by the time you hear this, but they're really, the case for Alabama to be ahead of Ohio State so far has not been great. I haven't liked Alabama's case in a lot of ways. It's, it's a fraudulent case in a lot of ways. And then there's the Oregon case that we all know what the deal is with that. They're not, Oregon's not going to be ahead of Ohio State. I, I, even if Oregon beats Utah or whatever, like that's this, the committee has been waiting for the opportunity to move Ohio state ahead of Oregon and blowing Michigan state, a top 10 team off the field is going to give them that opportunity. Alabama also might be gone. Ohio state could be too. By the time we get to the playoff committee rankings on Tuesday, but Steven bigger picture. And I've been saying this, I think we've all been saying this. If Ohio state wins out, Ohio state's going to be two. Like that's, that I think is the main thing here. And this was the beginning of that. If they went out, if they beat Michigan and they beat Wisconsin, they're going to be the two seed in the playoff. I think either way, because if Alabama hangs on and beats Arkansas and then goes to the SEC championship game and beats Georgia, then Alabama is going to be one and Ohio state's going to be two. But if Georgia runs the table and is undefeated, Georgia's going to be one. And then one last big 10 champ, Ohio state's going to be two. I know people, like Ohio State's in, but people do care about that stuff. Do you agree sort of with that path, Stephen? Yeah, that's why Alabama keeps being number two. It's uh, Ohio State is the two seed as long as it wins. The reason why Georgia is one and Alabama is two, so the committee can keep making that point, that whoever wins that SEC championship game between those two, as long as Alabama doesn't lose again, is going to be the number one seed. That's well, the only reason why Alabama's two right now. No, that's not true, because Alabama had also beaten Ole Miss. That's a win unlike anything Ohio State had before today. Uh, Alabama had also, you know, there were teams like Mississippi State that have been ranked, that have, have beaten other good teams. Like Ohio, Ohio State hadn't beaten, even if you take out Mississippi State, which you probably should, but they hadn't beaten anybody like Ole Miss, and their loss was on the road against a team. Uh, Alabama's loss was on the road against a pretty good Texas A&M team as opposed to losing at home. Like There were other reasons to rank Alabama ahead of Ohio State, but today's performance for Ohio State, changes that math a little bit i mean i haven't like texas a&m lost i mean texas a&m has lost a couple other games oregon's in the top four right i mean i do if you're doing better loss if you're doing better wins it it's gonna they've been waiting ohio state's gonna get there and last week the committee did say the discussion alabama had been a strong number two the way gary bart explained it and last week he said the gap had closed they had a discussion about Bam at two, Oregon at three, Ohio State at four. So, uh, again, the games are unfolding as we're watching here. Maybe Bam and Oregon will both lose. It'll be obvious. But I think Ohio State's going to be – has a good chance to be number two on Tuesday. And at the very least, they're going to be number two if they win out when we get to the actual final rankings that matter. Where was this game more important, Stephen? Was it more important for the Ohio State offense to, again, roll? Or is it more important for the Ohio State defense to face a team that we talked about? I thought the Michigan State offense – was pretty connected. I thought they obviously ran the ball well, but Peyton Thorne was a real quarterback. They had at least one real guy at receiver. What was the bigger deal on Saturday? I mean, kind of snap judgments, you say the defense, because the first string basically had a shutout. And I don't think anybody thought, I know nobody thought this defense would ever shut out a top 10 team, let alone hold them to seven points. But I, I think it might still be the offense. Because that's what's going to win this team a national title. 
And after what we saw against Penn State and Nebraska, where they didn't look too hot, spending the last two weeks basically scoring 100 points plus points while your quarterback only has 10 incompletions, I mean, that's a – you. we thought they were the best offense, and then they got a little shaky. And it's like, no, no, this is the best offense in the country, and it's not close. What do you think, Nathan? Which side would you take? Well, it's, it's a tough question to answer, and it sounds like you're trying to give a cop-out. But when this offense does this – when this offense just gets a ball and whether it's like a 12 play 90 yard drive or a four play 80 yard drive or whatever, like those first two drives were kind of both ends of the spectrum. Like th- when this offense clicks like this, the leverage that this defense then has over an opponent is so heavy. It, it, it's not just what this offense does to an opponent's offense defense. It's what this offense does to opponents offense. You have to play perfect you cannot have not just a turnover and not just like a three and out but you just you can't go down and miss a field goal like you can't have empty points when the Ohio State is scoring every time so it's it was definitely an important game for this defense the defense did what it could with what little it was given because Michigan State didn't have that many opportunities and they helped limit that but you know it's more about the, the this when this team is in sync, it's not the defense that's necessarily dominating. The defense is just doing its job and giving the ball to an offense that almost seems like it can't help but dominate at that point. Like I didn't expect. I thought I'd be mean, picked Ohio State to win this game by eighteen. I know that was under the spread. That's still a pretty comfortable win when you're talking about a top ten opponent. I didn't expect to feel sorry for Michigan State tonight. Today, I felt sorry for Michigan State. Like that got. Why did you feel sorry for Michigan State the most? That this was that they didn't really you get pushed. They were in that dimension where there wasn't really anything they could do. Like personnel wise, like this was just this was just that lopsided personnel wise. So but I I think. If you're feeling sorry for Michigan State, I think maybe I felt most sorry for them that they had a thing they thought they could do offensively and they couldn't do it. That it's more related well, to the Ohio State defense that listen, man, I we yeah. didn't really think they could cover these receivers and they couldn't. But then I thought when Michigan State got the ball, that they would hold the ball a little bit and move down the field and put some stuff together. And so, like my, my vote for today would be the defensive side of the ball. And again, as we watch this Alabama game come down the stretch. I think it's an example. Again, Alabama has more than 600 yards of offense. Bryce Young has thrown for more than 500 yards, but it's 34, 28 because Arkansas has got 28 because when you hold the ball and move the ball, it, it makes a little harder to score 49 in the first half. And that it's a game, not because Arkansas is really stopping the Alabama offense all that much, but it's because Arkansas can do a little bit, offensively against this Alabama defense that we know Alabama's defense is always pretty good. I thought the idea that Ohio state came out and Haskell Garrett immediately influenced the first drive and took Mm -hmm. Kenneth Walker out of the game. And then the second drive Denzel Burke makes a play on a throw. That is a first down Michigan state completes a first down pass and catch. And Denzel Burke continues to fight through the play to the extent that he knocks the ball out and they wind up ruling it an incompletion. And then, by the way, Michigan State, Jim Harbaugh, break your kicker's leg. You cannot try field goals against Ohio State. 
the idea, it was fourth and 10, Mel Tucker, they get that weird reversal. Listen, I thought, everybody listen to this, watch the game. I thought that was the third of the three choices. I thought it was either a completion and his shoulder was down. It was a fumble, but I never, did anyone think it was an incompletion? I, th- I couldn't believe they called it an incompletion, but they made it fourth and 10. They tried a long field goal. You've got to go for it there. You've got to go for it on fourth and 10, because at that point it's 14, nothing. Listen, if Denzel Burke doesn't continue to fight through that catch, Michigan State might score a touchdown there, and it's 14-7. And all of a sudden, now we're in the zone where maybe they can run it more with Kenneth Walker the third. Maybe they can keep the Ohio State offense on the field. But I thought that there were their best defensive players. Again, who are their best defensive players right now? Pascal Garrett, Tyreek Smith, Denzel Burke, probably, right? Their best defensive players made huge defensive plays on the first two drives to sort of create this opportunity, Stephen, for the Ohio State offense to go off and start running away with the thing. But the defense now, created that opportunity. And that was the best field position they had had at that point. Cause I, I was kind of marking it down while I was paying attention to something else. The first two possessions, they started on their 14 yard line and a 12 yard line because Mel Tucker decided to kick a field goal and didn't get points out of it. They start on their 29 yard line. And then obviously they go down and score a touchdown. Yeah, that's what you can't be afraid of Ohio state. They're going to do some stuff to you. That's just, you can't be afraid of the boogeyman. You've got to be as aggressive as humanly possible. Put yourself in a position to keep up because if you, if you just wave the white flag, when you're down 14 to nothing, then you're going to go down 28 to nothing before you blink. Yeah. And that's what happened today. Doug, I don't think the way you and I were talking about it was actually that different. I think it's more just that once it is it, that that juncture of the game was important, but especially when it's twenty-one nothing, once it's twenty-eight to nothing, then Michigan State is not itself anymore. And now you're having to now Michigan State is forced to go out and try to run an offense on Ohio State's terms rather than its own terms. I guess but, is kind of how I why I but was. They it, were forced to do that because while they were trying to run an offense on their own terms early in the game, the Ohio State defense did a pretty good job. They shut them down and forced a punt in the first series, and then they forced a huge incompletion on what would have been normally a first down conversion on the second series, and then that created. But I think like Michigan State didn't fail on its own. Ohio State made some defensive plays to force them to fail certainly. early, yeah. and then it was over. Um, it's it's punt. Missed field goal because of Denzel Burke. And then Ronnie Hickman knocks the ball out with his helmet. And then the rest is what it is. And then it's back to what you're talking about last week, Nathan, with Purdue. And again, Purdue sort of gave it away more than Michigan State gave it away. Ohio State kind of took it away today. But like you cannot turn it over. Like you can't. But it's like an avalanche. It's an avalanche. And then once they force that turnover, and then it's like, then you knew that was it. But it's almost like it's almost again, almost forget turnovers. Like you can't miss field goals. You probably can't punt unless it's like absolutely necessary. Like what, what good is pinning Purdue or pinning Ohio state at its own like 10 or 15 right now? Don't, I mean, we don't, don't we still assume that drive is going to end in points on days like this? So that's, what's been an interesting change here. I think it was a very worthwhile thing to ask a couple weeks ago when this offense either had the red zone troubles I had against Penn state or had the game against Nebraska, but wasn't even really getting in the red zone. Like it was fair to ask, like, is this defense going to be enough if this is what the offense is still vulnerable to? But if this, if this offense is doing this, then it doesn't matter. But I I did think when they handed the ball to Kenneth Walker, the third on the first offensive play of the game for Michigan state in the backfield. And it was like, Oh, is that how this is going to go? Because what if they handed to Kenneth Walker the third? He ran like eight yards. And then they, 
you knew, and then they knew it too. They they tried to screen on third down, and Haskell Garrett like went right with Walker. Haskell Garrett was like, oh, this is a screen. And he went right with Walker, and maybe it wasn't third down, but like the Thorne had to spike it at his feet, and like he ruined that play. And like Haskell Garrett ruined the first offensive series of the game for Michigan State. Well, they were still at a point where they had a chance to do what they wanted to do. And then I was talking to somebody after the game that Michigan, Ohio State had an idea that they could knock down some throws in this game with Peyton Thorne. And you saw Zach Harrison bat a ball. I think you saw Tyreek Smith bat a ball. So they had a good read on, I think, on, on what they thought they could do and, and take away from Michigan State. And then Nathan, man, I, I know I looked at it. I don't have it right in front of me now. I looked at it in the, at halftime. So we know Jalen Naylor. Probably Michigan State's best receiver was out today again. That was not a surprise. He had a cast on his hand in pregame. But Jaden Reed, who had had multiple 100-yard games this year and emerged as a really good threat, they targeted him 10 times in the first half, and he had two catches. So they were trying to do right. It's like when Penn State played Ohio State, they didn't target Jahan Dotson at all in the first half. They threw him like three passes. And then the second half, they're like, what are we doing? Michigan State tried to hand it to Kenneth Walker. And then they tried to throw it to their best receiver. They completed two of 10 to read because Denzel Burke was all over him. One of four for 21 yards on Denzel Burke. One of four on Denzel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like nothing there. So I don't know like that. There were, there were defensive playmakers that showed up in the first half and took away what Michigan state wanted to do best, which led to the offense creating the avalanche yeah but by the way uh james williams just scored for alabama to extend yeah. that yeah. Lead. So yeah, i, I think they're, they're probably going to they're probably going to win yeah I, I as i think about this game coming in ohio state i was looking on the, the leading rushers in the big 10 and how many of them ohio state had played and they played ibrahim early on and obviously played cj verdell early on and then you go down the list of leading rushers in the big 10 and there were the two guys whose names are even escaping me that were on that list, a kid from Nebraska and a kid from Rutgers, you finally got down to them as the two Ohio State had played since those first two games. And they, they were both averaging less than four yards a carry for the season. So I'm, I mean, I, I, I thought what the danger for Ohio State today was to come in and what would happen with this passing game that Michigan State had off of the running game like come out and if you think if, if michigan state is able to establish the run then they could hit things over the top you know, especially with seven banks being out some things are compromised in the secondary today and you're right the way ohio state defended never gave them that chance you just brought up seven banks today all today showed me is that cameron brown and denzel burke do not need to come off the field if it's a meaningful snap at all well, but sometimes they have to. That's the point. And that's why seven banks is important. You mean sometimes, yeah, they they sometimes have to get hurt, Steven. Sometimes oh, guys yeah. have to come off the field. Well, so, I mean, yeah, if, if they get hurt, guys. but if fine, if they're not hurt, they shouldn't come off the field. I'm not going to live in a world where if somebody gets hurt, because any this football, anybody can get hurt. If they are healthy, yeah, they should Brown not come hurt. off the field. But Cam Brown has been more hurt than most this year, the average player. I'm saying like that's why it's the third guy is important still for this. Year. The third cornerback is still important. If you don't think so, then we'll start Legend Cavazos in a playoff game. Well, but but what we're talking about in a world where they had been rotating guys and where we I mean, when we talked about seven banks being out, it was like Ohio State missing a defensive starter. And then it was like they were fine. They were fine without him. So I, I wonder 
how they will do that going forward. But they were in a spot where, as a result today, they were fine. And Burke went out a little bit, and then they were playing a little Cavazos, right? And that's yep. not exactly where they want to be. So, so to the point of health, yeah, to the point of like cornerback rotation, which they had, you know, been dealing with at times this year, like pro- maybe not. 655 to 224, the uh, the offensive yard disparity here. Master Teague led him in rushing yards. Well, t- it's it's interesting. There was a lot of that second half. Yeah, there was I a mean, lot you- of <laughs> there's a lot of love for Master Teague. Were yeah. people cheering at him at the end to get a score? They were and like, Teague, yeah. And Stephen, go ahead and say the thing you said. <laughs> press box. It's mean. I don't want to say but it's, it. It's true. It's true. Everybody loves Teague until he's on the field. Like that. Like he, he's a great, he works hard and he's a good yeah. teammate and he's strong and he like looks great in uniform, but like. It's cool to say Teague, but I mean, he led them in rushing and he averaged four and a half yards per carry. It's just, right. he got the, he just got the ball a bunch because he's a senior and it was the second half and he's missed the entire season with an injury. But like even against yeah, like in a blowout at Michigan State, it wasn't like I mean, was running through the defense four and a half yards per yeah. carry. Yeah. Twenty-one carries. Trayvon Henderson nine carries for sixty-three yards. Mine Williams four carries for thirty-five yards. But clearly, <laughs> this was a game about the passing offense. I did get three quarters of my outrageous prediction correct that I said there'd be four one hundred yards receivers in this game because I included Jaden Reed. He finished with two catches on ten targets, twenty-eight yards. But all three Ohio State receivers did get over hundred yards. We'll come back and talk more about C.J. Stroud and this Ohio State offense next up. Buckeye talk. Doug back with Nathan and Steven. Bryce Young is putting up these huge stats, but is that changing anything that what we thought from when the Ohio State game ended, Nathan, that C.J. Stroud was had really emphasized the fact that he is the Heisman Trophy front runner as of now? Uh, well, no, I mean, from our eyeballs, because we haven't watched any of this game or very, very little of it. Um, I don't know how people across the country are going to see it. Obviously, they may look at it and see it more of like an equated. Well, but thing. it's not. But it's not. But 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 Michigan you- State is better than Arkansas. At least they're ranked higher, and Ohio State blew them out. Bryce Young is uh, up until that last Jamison Williams touchdown. We weren't really sure Alabama was going to win this game. Well, but also he's not responsible for their defense. But he is throwing for more than five hundred yards. But CJ did what, what he did in a half plus a drive and Ryan day was making the point after the game of like, Hey, like we sort of got him his stats, you know, that, that at least we did that. He only got to play a half and a drive, but we got him the six touchdowns and we got him the uh, 32 of 35 for four thirty-two. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of these dumb idiots who are going to vote for this award who watched both these games today. We have not watched the whole Alabama game, but, my point after the game, Nathan, and, and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud both have great stats, and they, they've had great stats. I just thought C.J. exhibited a mastery of his craft against Michigan State, against the top 10 foe, that, to me, elevated his Heisman case. And what's going to happen for the Heisman race is that, as we said, it's not really a race. It's like a boxing match at the end everybody's position, but if Bryce Young goes out and throws for 500 yards on Georgia, the anointed, not anointed, they are. They're the best defense in the country. They're the best defense maybe we've seen in a long time. 
if Bryce Young like tears them apart on conference championship weekend and CJ Stroud is good against Wisconsin, but doesn't get the same kind of juice for tearing Georgia apart, then, then I think we'll have a hard time winning maybe because everyone's going to be so enamored with what Bryce Young did to Georgia's defense. But who plays first? That's not what it's about. I mean, I don't think it's usually the SEC game is in the afternoon, right? In the Big Ten game, yeah, yeah. So that, so I, it's not like the ballots are due that night. I don't think. But I, I mean, I no, think I'm, I'm, I'm more just thinking, what's like if they day. both are like really, really awesome? What's the last thing on people's minds? Uh, but Georgia has such a reputation. I mean, there's, I don't yeah. think, that, I mean, CJ Stroud, but he's going to play like the second best defense in the country. Yeah, in Wisconsin, but I don't think people view Wisconsin the same way they view Georgia. So, like Bryce Young is going to have a chance, I think, going into that weekend. But also, I think Bryce Young like has to beat Georgia because if, if Bama doesn't beat Georgia, they're not going to make the playoff. And then that the tiebreaker is well, one of them's a quarterback for a playoff team and one's not. And of course, CJ is going to have to beat Wisconsin too. But like, there's just a lot of things I think that are now working in CJ's favor. Now that he showed that first half to the world, Nathan, like that was an eyeball first half. There were a lot of eyeballs on it. And if you watched it, you were impressed by him. Yeah, I I do think that the Alabama thing can be a trump card, um, both because of, sorry, the Georgia thing, just because way people regard their defense and the fact that if Alabama were to win that game, like what the stakes are for that. But no, you're right. Like he has done everything he could possibly do because I, I mean, honestly coming out of the Tulsa game, I, I thought it was, we, I think we even talked about it post game that day. Like it seemed kind of like folly to, to think about CJ Stroud being a Heisman trophy finalist at that stage of the season, quarter of the way into the season. Like he just, he didn't, it didn't have that poise. It didn't have that. It didn't snap. It didn't have that, uh, that crispness to use his word. I think he said things can always be more crisp, but it's hard to imagine things being a lot more crisp. He said that after tonight, after he went 32 or 35, like the uh, way that he has matured athletically this year and not even athletically, but just matured um, as a quarterback this year, I think is a testament to him and the work that he clearly puts in a testament to, to Ryan day and the work that he puts in and that they have gotten this to the point where it's, we always imagined a version of this. I think that this was what the offense would be this year, a really good offensive line. And then you've got these receivers that are just always going to be open and, and, and he can just distribute, but it's more than that. Like it's, it's a, it's the, almost like the, today was like the best version of that, that we could have imagined in July, August. We thought Mac Jones, can he just be Mac Jones? He's on that scale of Mac Jones or Joe Burrow. I'm not saying he's as good as either. I'm saying on the scale of one's clearly just a point guard and one was more of a playmaker. Some of his, the way he sees the field, that's his playmaker attribute. And he's leaning more that way. The the more comfortable he gets out there. Yeah. It's hard because when, I mean, Ryan Day always talks about the quarterbacks. You look for an extraordinary trait. That's if Ryan Day wrote a book about quarterbacking, I think that would be the name of the book. Extraordinary traits. The search and development of the ideal quarterback by Ryan Day. Let's see if he wants to write that book. Let me write that down. Uh, So like that. And it's like, well, what is CJ's extraordinary trait? Because 
it's it's not like elite athleticism. It's not, I don't think he has the world's greatest arm, but it is what he really showed today. And he has been showing more and more and more through the course of this season. And the thing that Ryan Day keeps talking about, it's just like the way, the way he sees it, he knows what to do. He's it's his brain. It's his eyes and his brain. It's his processing. And yes, he's surrounded by great playmakers, Nathan, but he absolutely is maximizing those playmakers right now in a world where, you know, the three best receivers, he targeted them 21 times. They completed, uh, no, no, no. He completed 21. uh, No, he completed 24 of 26, 24 of 26 to Smith and Jigba, Olave and Wilson, 10 of 10 to Smith and Jigma for one Oh five, seven of seven to Olave for one forty seven of nine to Wilson for one twenty six. He it's not just that they're great. He's maximizing how great they are by seeing it and by doing it. And that is the extraordinary trait. And th- that connection with Olave hasn't necessarily always been there. That's like, it seems the one that there always often is some imbalance between receptions and targets with them for whatever reason or some games where obviously early this year there were games where they weren't really connecting at all a lot of it would not really have any receptions some of them only because he played a half and today he really only played a half too but yeah I think that's another part of the development the way that I thought at times this year it seemed like one guy might disappear once in a while Early this year, it's you know we were, we were like, well, he doesn't seem like he's really not throwing the ball to Smith and Jigba very much, um, and we kind of theorized whether that was just still gaining your confidence over the middle of the field. In retrospect, maybe the shoulder had something to do with that. Obviously, some games where Olave didn't get targeted that much, and then these last couple, you've seen it come a lot more, look a lot more complete. Like he is in sync with all three of those guys on the field at once, and it's just a heyday. I think, to be fair. Some of this is because Michigan State's passing off defense stinks. But what we saw today was it build on itself because he didn't just go straight to Alave and just go for a 40-yard bomb. It started with Garrett, then it went to Jackson, and then all of a sudden Chris Olave is open deep. And then it, it kept restarting itself. Now I'm going to go to Jackson a couple of times, and I'm going to get to Jared, Garrett, and then I'm going to go to Chris Olave again deep. Okay, now I'm going to go to Chris Olave. So now they're everybody's back, so I'm going to hit Jackson some more. Now I'm going to hit Garrett some more. We've seen weeks where better defenses have just said, you know what? We're not letting Chris Olave do it today. We just, I'm, you, you're going to have to beat us a different way. So it becomes the Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith, the Jigba show. We've seen days where they've taken away Jackson Smith, the Jigba. Also, he was young. So it's like, you know what? Garrett and Chris have a day. We haven't seen the takeaway Garrett day yet. It's just the takeaway Garrett day was he's just not there. He's back at home and why everybody's in Lincoln. And we saw Jackson Smith, the Jigba go crazy. And then eventually Chris got involved today was the first day where everything clicked at the same time because michigan state started trying to plug up holes and whenever there was a they plugged a hole here water started spouting somewhere else i thought it was a very big deal at that first drive michigan state was clearly just giving them some stuff they go 12 plays 80 whatever yards he's Mm -hmm. nine of 10 for 76 yards on that drive they marched down the field and then the second drive they hit the 77 yard deep ball to garrett that they were methodical when they needed to be methodical. And then as soon as he got press man on Garrett and he saw the Michigan state roll safeties and go from a two high look to a, a single high look right before the snap. And he knew he was going to go there and he holds the safety with his eyes and then puts it right on Garrett's hands. And it was both ways. 
right? It was little bites and it was a big bite. And I thought that that was, that to me was, was demoralizing for Michigan state, because I will say there was a time, Nathan, the first drive when it took 12 plays, it's one of those things. It's like, well, this is where we are the Ohio state offense. Well, it was a touchdown drive, but it took you 12 plays. What's wrong with you guys, right? That it was sort of like, well, if they're going to do that, that's kind of what Nebraska tried to do. Don't give up the big stuff. Maybe get a couple third down stops. You know, again, Ohio State only had two third downs in the whole first half. Two of two. I was about to interject. I was about to interject that. They don't even get to third down. But you can see it's like, give up the little stuff. Don't give up the big stuff. And then it was like, oh, no. Then they gave up the big stuff the second drive. Right. I thought initially, Nathan, that I didn't think that first offensive drive for Ohio State was terrible news for Michigan State. Because it's like, okay, well, they marched. Okay, then now Michigan State, now maybe you come out and you run the ball and you march, and maybe we're going to be in one of these games with long drives. It holds the score down. If it can force a punt or two, you've got a shot. And then that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, I was just listening to the um, – which podcast was it? We had um, someone on from this podcast for the season, the Split Zone, split zone podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, who's that's actually – that's a competitor. Of the college football survivor show, actually, I'd, I'd appreciate if you wouldn't listen to that podcast. Anymore. Well, when I was listening to the Split Zone podcast earlier this week, I the it may not, it actually may have been a different episode that I was listening to. I listen to it often. Split Zone podcast, it's good stuff. And they were saying, "All right, that's it for uh, Nathan Baird. Steve, I'll be back after this." Talk. They were saying one of the hosts said that they don't even really judge the first drive of the game for either team. That. One team's going to come out. They're going to have things scripted. They're going to run their offense. The second team's going to come out, have some things scripted, run their offense against what they know they had planned for. And then now it's up to coaching and execution and athleticism. And I thought that, so I was thinking the same thing as I watched this game today. I was like, okay, Ohio State went out and drove, took them 12 plays to get down the field against Michigan State. Uh, the Good offense, you know, and we'll see what happens in response. And then I think the response is actually what tells us more about the separation between those two teams than what, what happened on that first drive of the game. So I, I think that's still going to be an important skill, for lack of a better term. Like, I still think there are games out there that are going to challenge Ohio State more. They, it can't be boom or bust. It can't be um, somebody gets loose or that or the drive goes nowhere. They're going to have to do some methodical things still at some point. But uh, the fact that Michigan State, Michigan State could not get Ohio State to third down in the first, like, that was, I, I thought that was one of the, like, as much as the 500 yards was impressive and the scoring more than a point per play was uh, impressive. Like just, you can't get to third down. Like that's what happens when Ohio state plays Akron. That's what happens when you play the worst team in the Mac. That's not what's supposed to happen when you play a top 10 team. I do respect that idea of, I don't care what happens the first drive, because it's almost like, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Like once you're done with like everything that you game plan for now, what? Well, we don't, we haven't said that on on the playoff except the playoff show. We haven't said that on the college football survivor show, but I, I do scream about how the committee's dumb. How about that? Um, I mean, anyone else did that? Is there anybody else in the country screaming about how the committee's dumb? That's what you get on my show. I yes, think two things can be true: the, the committee can be dumb, and you can also not care about opening drives. You know who else screams about the committee being dumb? Everybody. Out, who's watching it outside of <laughs> Athens, Georgia, every Tuesday night? I'm a man of the people. I'm here to represent 
what everybody else thinks. Uh, all right. So, so listen, it was like a really good performance. I want to touch briefly on Michigan state and then we're going to come back and we're going to start talking about Michigan because Ryan day said something in the post-game press conference. that was like, okay, well then, all right, that it's time for everybody to start talking about the Michigan game. Somebody, there were jokes being made that Mel Tucker, there was a report this week about Mel Tucker being offered like a $95 million 10 year contract, whatever people like, man, he should have taken that contract before this game. And I said, I'm not so sure he shouldn't ask for more because he had that team at nine and one. Like, is this, is this like embarrassing to Mel Tucker or is it more like, look at the talent gap. Like Michigan state has like four good, like they had Kenneth Walker, right? Jaden Reed's a real dude. The receiver Jalen Naylor was hurt. I, I thought Peyton Thorne is like, was, was moderately competent. Peyton Thorne on their drive that led to the missed field goal actually made a couple good throws, right? And yeah. they were throwing that ball at number 97 tight end. That guy did some stuff. Defensively, Michigan State didn't do much of anything. But again, in our inaccurate analysis of this game, I thought Michigan State would sort of have a plan offensively and be able to do a little bit. And it just turned out, Nathan, that like they just – they just actually don't have that much. And I think it, I think Mel was doing a little smoke and mirrors to get them this far, maybe. And that is not to take away from Ohio State because for 17 years, I've seen this all the time. And Michigan State, pr- prior to 2013 and 2015, like that's what Michigan State was. Michigan State was one of those teams that would look good until they played Ohio State. Jeff Smoker, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff of like, oh, well, they're not actually good. They're going to lose 49 to 10. And it turned out it was a little more of that. The talent gap was just huge. Yeah. If anything, I I thought that what would maybe happen was more drives like that first drive of the game where Ohio State just had to work harder. I thought Michigan State's defense might be a little bit more than we saw today. Make them work a little harder for it. And then your offense, they could run the offense that they wanted to run. The offense that had gotten them to nine and one, the offense that was based around this running back and like utilize him more. But again, as we've already talked about, once it's 28 to nothing, like all of that kind of goes out the window. It is funny how this season we've kind of come full circle. And we, doesn't this happen a lot, really? Because if you didn't look at it this way, I think we'd all sound really arrogant. And then when we, it finally does happen, we're always worried about getting probably caught with our pants down. But like you go into the season thinking, well, it's Ohio State is at a different tier than everybody else in the Big Ten. And it's everybody else in the Big Ten's responsibility to like figure out how to summon it for one game and try to catch them napping or whatever. And then three weeks in, and obviously Ohio State lost, but you start seeing what Iowa does. You see what Penn State might be doing. You're seeing what Michigan State, when Michigan State started, and Michigan start to do. And you're like, oh, well, maybe the, the, the Big Ten's just better. And like Ohio State's falling a little bit down. To, no, like it's just, it, it's just the same thing it was when, when we thought it was last like April or last February or whatever. It's like they're, they're on a different tier. Not to live in the past a little bit, but this game is exactly what should have happened in 2015 when Ohio State and Michigan State got on the same field. And it didn't happen, and then Michigan State went into the playoff and clearly showed they had no business being there. That's where Michigan State – that's where Mel Tucker got this team. They're a really good football team, but they had no business being in the playoff discussion. They're not there yet. Yeah, no, I I think that's fair. And and that Ohio State just, like, shut down – Michigan state's best players. And, and that was it, Mm -hmm. which caused 
Ryan Day to start thinking about something else in the second half. And we'll talk about that next on Buckeye Talk. So Michigan beat Maryland 59 to 18. Hassan Haskins, 20 for 78. They did, didn't they? Donovan Edwards. This is, we've been waiting sort of on when Michigan might do some something with their five stars. J.J. McCarthy, the five-star quarterback. But Donovan Edwards, a five-star running back that Ohio State at least was talking to a little bit. Uh, 10 catches for 170 receiving yards, including a 77-yarder. So I didn't watch it. We'll talk about that more on Monday Madness and a lot next week. We obviously have a lot to preview, but here we are. We are back at a spot where this is going to be like a top five matchup. And Michigan's pretty good. And this is not 2006. This is not one versus two, but 2016, right, was two, three. So this is going to be something like, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be like, at the, least, at the worst, Michigan will be six. It'll be like four, six or three, six or two, five or something. So this is like a real thing, Nathan. And there are just a couple things about Michigan that seem a little different than some of the other teams they face. Michigan, 503 offensive yards, Maryland, 359 on Saturday. Michigan, I thought Michigan State would be the toughest test because of some intangible stuff or whatever. I, I didn't, I was, did not account for the talent gap as much. Michigan has more good players than Michigan State does. And so Donovan Edwards and J.J. McCarthy, but the guys on defense especially, and Hassan Haskins, the other running back, and if Blake Quorum plays, and a couple dudes, like, at least uh, Michigan is interesting. We're going to have an interesting time analyzing this, I think, heading into it, Nathan. But also, we may might wind back up with where we were, the stuff you were just detailing with, oh, yeah, this and that, whatever. But no, Ohio State's just a lot better. I feel like this needs to be said before we move on to the Michigan discussion, which is in this Michigan-Maryland game, it's one of my favorite like Big Ten notes of the year from Emily Giambavo from the Washington Post, that Talia Tagovailoa became Maryland's all-time leader in completions by completing a pass for no gain and then threw a pick six on the next play. <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations, Talia, on your – your moment in the sun there. I had, I was unlike you. I came out of the Michigan, Michigan state game. Not sure that the better team won that game. So I've, I have always kind of harbored that Michigan, I think is like the committee, although I wouldn't have vote. I wouldn't have ranked Michigan state or Michigan ahead of Michigan state. And I haven't, but I did kind of suspect that maybe Michigan is the team that I feared more from an Ohio State perspective, that that was it was actually a more complete team. When you talk about Aiden Hutchinson up front, you talk about what they have that seems like it could be lurking there offensively. They did have a huge passing game against Michigan State the first time, but as we saw today, so would, uh, you know, anybody. So I don't know how much you want to take that into consideration, but I, I, I'm, I'm – it, it, we always go again. It's the full circle thing. Like I think at the beginning of the week, we always kind of we get done just watching Ohio State eviscerate somebody, and we're like, "Man, can anybody play with them?" And then by Thursday afternoon, you've talked yourself into, "Boy, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe this is like a two touchdown game, one touchdown game." Yeah, the the, the two things at play, and again, we're gonna do it all week, but it's Michigan week. We can we're gonna we start the stuff early. The thing about Ryan Day, Ryan Day said he started thinking about the Michigan game in the second half of the Ohio state, Michigan state game, which I mean, talking about what else, Michigan. 
what else is he supposed to be thinking about? (laughs) Well, but talking about hurt Michigan State's feelings, Stephen. I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that hurt their feelings a little bit that Ryan Day said that? I mean, okay, (laughs) don't lose fifty six to seven. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, I think. I mean, Ryan Day had nothing to think about until Kyle McCord threw an interception that gave him a reason to yell at a quarterback today. So. So I, I do know. think Michigan running the ball, they have a couple guys, uh, you know, it's still about the offensive line and if Ohio State is going to get penetration in the backfield and that kind of thing. I mean, it's not like Kenneth Walker, the third got worn down and only carried it six times. So you're still only heading to one guy at a time. But then there's also the pass rush aspect of this that Steven, I do, that's going to be a little different. And we were talking about that as we were walking to the car that what yeah. Michigan's gonna gonna offer from a pass rush standpoint with multiple dudes, and then if and when we get the matchup that everybody wants with Ohio State's offense against Georgia's defense, what Georgia will offer with the pass rush with multiple dudes, that would just be a little bit more of a next level challenge for CJ Stroud. Not that he wouldn't be up to it, but that we haven't exactly seen a consistent pass rush from multiple guys. It's not even so much with Stroud because even today. Um, he threw that ball to Olave that kind of whistled around in the air a little bit before Olave caught it, where he was getting ready to get knocked, he'd get his head knocked off before he threw it. So I'm not necessarily worried about Stroud throwing under pressure. I'm more worried about this offensive line having to handle multiple guys and making sure it's not a consistent thing that he's dealing with because he's only been stacked eight times this year. And that, that's the thing with the Carl Lofton situation. It was only one of them. So they, it was either, you know, they handled it pretty well or they just ran at him and Carl Lofton didn't know what to do. They didn't have to play Thibodeau. And this is not downplaying. I think people are going to take this as we're hyping up Michigan's offense, defensive line and be better than it actually is. Just know they've got David Ajobo and Aiden Hutchinson, who are both guys who have shown that they can get to the quarterback. And so you're not just asking, hey, can Nicholas Petit, Petit Frere stop George Kaloftis or can Dewan Jones slow down George? Colossus, it's can Nicholas Petit Frere and Dewan Jones handle David Ajoba and Aiden Hutchinson? It's very similar to what happened when we were talking about the Penn State game last year, and there and Nick handled that situation pretty well. Can Dewan and Nick do the same thing this year? So it was weird. Ohio State came out today, and was it a false start on the first snap? So they were off schedule on the yeah. first play of the yeah. game, and I don't know if they were off schedule again. And- until CJ Stroud came out of the game or maybe until that drive where they ended with the missed field goal. Like they, it, they were just, that it's not supposed to be quite that easy. So somebody is going to be able to interrupt that a little bit more from Michigan, I think next week. And just, are we, we are not that far removed from the Nebraska game where the Ohio state offense didn't look like the greatest offense of all time. Mm-hmm. Are we just chucking that? because Garrett Wilson didn't play and stuff happens and Jojo Doman's really good. Or is that, does that linger at all of, well, that was a more complete defense and, you know, Indiana only had one guy and Purdue only had one guy and Michigan state's past defense is bad. And we all knew it. And so again, we don't want to come on here every week and be like, Ohio state's great, but although <laughs> what's the, what's the word I can say instead of, but however, right. Is there a, however, Nathan, I mean, like, I don't think there is. I think we can say Ohio State's offense is awesome and also say that Michigan's got some dudes on that defense that maybe they haven't seen a collection of, of dudes like that. I, I do think it's fair to say that there are aspects of this game that are probably similar to the circumstances that led to the Indiana win, the Maryland win, where those teams are missing their starting corners because Michigan State's secondary is this bad. 
but it was kind of what I was writing about today. It was like, I, I, I still don't know if this team can stop a balanced offense. I still don't know if this team defensively could do that if it had to do it for 60 minutes. The point is when the offense does this, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I also don't know who the balanced offense is at this point because Michigan's not a balanced offense. Wisconsin's not really a balanced offense. So I don't, to the point of what the offense is, yes, the offense is awesome. But even if it was only scoring 35 points per game, it still doesn't take away from the fact that this defense probably isn't going to have to play a balanced team until it plays Bama, if it plays Bama. Right. And Wisconsin's not a balanced offense, at least not like an especially good offense overall. But they've got this, um, freshman that's running great and I still I guess I still don't know if, if Ahaste had to stop the run for a full game but it, that was never presented to them today because this offense did what it did this was a stat from ESPN stats today Ohio State has scored on the first five offensive drives of the game four times this season today was the fourth no other program has done that more than once this season so that's the pressure we're talking about, the kind of pressure that they put on opposing teams. And I believe the, the person who sent that corrected it immediately and said, it's not just scored, it's scored touchdowns. Okay. They've scored touchdowns on the first five drives four times. Nobody else has done it more than once. Yeah. So that's legit. So that's what we're going to preview all this week. And I will say, I was thinking about this. I like to play in series. I'm always thinking about, oh, we could just talk about it on a podcast or have someone write one story, but what if we wrote nine stories in a row about something? But we have gone back and forth on lumping this Ohio State offense in with 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama over the course of this year. We were ready to do it, then we weren't sure, then we're, I don't know, man, was it just playing bad defenses and has CJ come far enough? Steven, like, we're, aren't we? We're back there, right? I mean, when they yeah. do this, aren't we? We're, why would we hold back on that? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm back there. I, I think at this point, maybe one of the stories in your series in this in this series is when did like LSU and Alabama have like a bad game? Well, the series is comparing 2020 Ohio State offense to LSU 2019, Alabama 2020, and. What was their worst game? What was their best game? Yeah. How 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 long did their guys play into the second half? Let's compare all the receivers. Who had the best receiving group? Who had the best running game? Who had the best offensive line? Who had the best play caller? Like I think we might be at yeah. that stage. If Ohio State makes the playoff looking like this, I think this is going to be most of our December. It's like comparing them to Joe Burrow, Jabbar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, over and over and over again. And I, I think it'd be kind of fun. I mean, the thing <laughs> is, like that LSU 2019, I'm looking back at the scores now, like they don't really have the equivalent of that Nebraska game. They have some games that were close or close-ish they had the you know, only one by five at Alabama whatever but or I guess they did have a 23-20 home win over Auburn I guess that may maybe be yeah. the closest thing that was an Auburn team that was ranked though not an Auburn team that was like three and six at the time and had lost to Illinois so like it's that's still a little bit different that's maybe the one bridge and it feels like I guess we're moving the goalpost but you wouldn't have called Michigan State like a really strong defensive team especially against the pass coming into this game so to some extent, Ohio State putting up points was expected here. I, I don't know then. I don't know that they're going to get 
the, this is where the SEC thing does come into it a little bit. Do you think those SECs were both deeper than the Big Ten that the that Ohio State is playing from a defensive standpoint? And did the success that Alabama and LSU had in those seasons stand out uh, maybe still a rung above what Ohio State's doing now? The SEC stunk last year, and in 2019, Tua was hurt. And, like, LSU was in a bunch of shootouts to start the year because his defense was atrocious. They almost lost to Texas. So, yeah, but, like, it, but it was, but it, but it won the shootouts. That, that doesn't have anything. That doesn't necessarily. That that's not what we're talking about here. I save it for the series. <laughs> I mean, like, but listen, <laughs> I, I I think because I think there are different ways you can look at it to to make different arguments. But also, we're going to have a lot more data, right? I mean, mm-hmm. are we still potentially at the point where the two best defenses they're going to face, and not even talk in the playoff? Are Michigan and Wisconsin and like they're in front of us still? Yeah. Wisconsin's is certainly ranked higher. Michigan's is ranked pretty high. And again, Michigan's got this defensive line. I'm we might be at that point still. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if you took the Oregon defense that beat them and put Cave on Thibodeau on it. No, I know, but he didn't play. It's like who they're gonna face. Like the players they're gonna play, that's where they might be. And so if they keep doing this, then it'll be like, okay, okay, okay. It just gets more and more real. But I just the, the level. Listen, it's one of those things. I, do, I can, should I start making an argument about how Joe Burrow's not that good? He just had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to throw to, who turned out to be two of the 10 best receivers in the NFL the minute they got in the league. I'm kidding, of course. But, like, you know, he was surrounded by talent that I think I'm not even sure in the moment we knew how good it was. And and Ohio State's talent is 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 right there. And But C.J. Stroud's taking advantage of it. So, again, it, we'll just we'll do it for a month. We'll do it for a whole month. We'll just compare those three offenses. And the thing of it is, is I know what you're saying, Nathan, about like SEC talent, but you go through the stats and like the Big Ten defenses are ranked super high in the country in the statistical stuff all the time, which we have had the conversation. Well, what does that exactly mean? Right. But also it's like, I don't know. Is Ole Miss's defense any good? Mississippi State's defense? I mean, I know there's some guys, but sometimes, again, that middle and bottom of the SEC can be just as bad as the middle and bottom of the big 10. And so this is why we have to dig into it for 30 straight days. It would be fun to have that series and that discussion and that debate, but I don't think we'd come to a definitive answer because the way that LSU and Alabama, those last two teams sort of proved that they might've been the two best offenses of all time is because they showed up the playoff and kept doing it. And they just, no, I know, but we're not going to save it until after the playoff. We're going to no, do I'm it. Not saying, but I'm, yeah, yeah. that's not yeah. the point I was making. I'm just saying that that was kind of the exclamation point on the arguments that they were making to to have those designations was they showed up in the playoff and they kept just piling up points on people. So um, will Ohio State do that when it has to then play the three other best teams in the country? But in the playoff, for instance, why am I really serious? Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma's defense yeah. sucked. And, and that Notre was the Dame's first offense played. is awful. <laughs> but then they played, but then LSU played Clemson in the national championship game. The Clemson team that like Ohio State had jumped out to a big lead on and should have like they, they the, the thing about Ohio State is Ohio State, I think, will in the end have the opportunity. And then, like, I mean, you know, what Alabama do in the national title game? They played this last year's Ohio State defense, which was like, I don't know. I'll go. That's I'll the interesting that. thing there is that. Ohio State might be the only one of the three who actually has to play the best defense in the country. Yeah, they're going to have the greatest test in the end, which is the greatest opportunity. And opportunity is wonderful, but also the toughest thing. 
So we'll really find out, man. I hope we get it. Oh, doesn't it? I mean, that's where we are, right? Everybody's what all of college football wants Georgia, Ohio state. I was planning to write something along these lines for madness. And now I'm might not be able to. Cause we just talked about it for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if we're going to do a series about it, I don't want to get oh. too. Uh, oh, no, no, you can tease and give them a pair of teeth. You can give them a little something. I do think, um, but I did, but it is, it's like, I do think it, it's a, if we get to that point, it really is a huge deep dive because that's the, that's the level we're talking about. And I think CJ played at that level today. And I think the receivers have been there. And I think Trevor Henderson has been there. And once again, the offensive line, I think is playing that way. Dewan Jones just swallows people like people can't get around him. I'm very, I am very much looking forward to this Michigan defensive line against this Ohio state offensive line. Could be some great matchups there. We'll get into that all next week. Again, we're going to have Monday pod, Tuesday pod, Wednesday pod, Thursday pod. So we'll get all the pods to you early in the week. So you'll have time. You can catch up day after Thanksgiving when you're out shopping, listening in the car. If you miss some stuff with family in town or whatever, we hope you guys are reading cleveland.com slash Buckeye talk and always fun to try the text 614-350-3315 Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye talk. Buckeye talk.